Today we are continuing our study in the book of Daniel, and so if you have your Bible and you want to get a head start, we're going to look in Daniel chapter 9 today, and we'll start in verse number 1 in, in just a few moments. Uh, but today, the, the sort of the focus of the, the message today as we look in, the, in Daniel chapter 9 is about communicating. And uh, one of the, I'd say that one of the more difficult things that, that most of us struggle with is being able to communicate effectively and to communicate well. I don't know how many of you are, are married, but you know that in marriage that one of the more difficult things is to communicate in a way that your spouse understands. Uh, I saw there was a study that said that 50% of marriages say the number one problem in their marriage is poor communication. And so I'm sure that our stat is a little bit lower here in our church because we're more mature and more, uh, more friendly than other people are. But communication's tough. Um, I saw a, a really kind of an interesting story. There was a young guy who lived in the city, worked in a business, went to see his uncle who lived out in the country. His uncle was a farmer, and so he went to visit him. And when his uncle saw him come, and he thought, he is going to be bored out of his mind if he has to work with me. And so his, his uh, nephew came up, and he told him, he said, listen, he said, well, I'm working. He said, why don't you take my dogs out, and you take my, one of my guns, and you can go shooting, and then come back whenever you're finished. Well, a couple hours later, his nephew came back. Remember, he's from the city. So he comes back, and he sees his uncle there. And his uncle says, how was it? He said, man, it was great. I had a blast. He said, I was just wanting to know, do you have any more dogs? Now, uh, anytime, anytime you communicate, I like the story. Anytime you communicate, you want to make sure that you communicate well. Because if you don't, then there's some things that can happen that you're not going to be real excited about. Well, today in chapter 9, we're going to see that one place where many of us struggle in communicating is with God. Some of us have a really difficult time. We feel like, hey, whenever I talk to God, whenever I'm trying to pray to Him, I don't feel like my prayers are getting any higher than the ceiling, or I just feel like it's a real struggle for me to be able to, to talk with God. Well, as we look at Daniel today, there's going to be something that I hope that all of us can learn from him, including me, and that is how to effectively communicate with God, where we really feel like that there is a, a relationship, a conversation that's going on. And so we're going to look in Daniel 9, and we're going to see that Daniel gives us a pretty good picture of effectively communicating with God. Now, before we get there, I just want to remind you where we are. Uh, Daniel is, uh, they've been in captivity. You remember he was in Jerusalem? He was taken captive. He was brought into Babylon along with the other, other young men of Jerusalem. They've been there for almost 70 years. So at this time, when we're looking in our text today, is Daniel, is, he's an old guy. I mean, he's a guy that, is, uh, that he's up there in age. But Daniel knew from Scripture that his people were getting ready to leave captivity and return home. Now the question is, how do you know that? That's one of the neat things about the Bible. One of the reasons why he knew that is because it had been prophesied years before in the book of Jeremiah that whenever the people had been in Babylonian captivity for 70 years, that they'd be able to go home. Uh, this is found in Jeremiah 29.10. It says, For this is what the Lord says, When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. So because it had been almost 70 years, Daniel knew, according to God's word, that, hey, they're getting ready to go back to the promised land, back to their homeland. 
Now, at the time, there was not any real obvious signs that this was getting ready to happen. And so what Daniel does in our text is he begins to pray, and we're going to see from his prayers how he was able to effectively communicate with God. So what did Daniel do, and what can we do to effectively communicate with God? And it starts off with this. When we pray, pray biblically. Now, that might sound kind of strange to you, but hopefully I'll be able to explain this a little bit. But if we're going to effectively communicate with God, it begins with us praying biblically. Uh, Look with me in verse number 1 of chapter 9. It says, In the first year of Darius, who was the son of Ahasuerus, was a Mede by birth and was ruler over the kingdom of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet that the number of years for the desolation of Jerusalem would be 70. Okay, 70 years. Now at this time, we know Daniel... Daniel is, I mean, he's probably anywhere from like 85 to 90 years old. And he's an older guy. Uh, now, you look at his life and see what he had gone through. He'd been through a lot of turmoil in his life. When he was a young man, he was pulled out of, out of uh, Jerusalem where he grew up. He was brought into Babylon as really as a slave. Now, he did well. God blessed him in everything he did. Uh, We're told that he basically became like the prime minister of Babylon. He served under three different kings. Now, in our text today, he is living under a new king, and his name was Darius. And the Bible says, our verse that we just read, it says it was in his first year. Now, from history outside of the Bible, we know that Darius became king right, right around 583 B.C. And you might say, well, I don't care, and what does that mean? Okay, well, here's what it means. We know that he became king in 583 B.C. We know three years after that, that there was an edict that was given that told the Jewish people to go home. So what does this mean? It means that the Hebrew people at this time, it means they've been in captivity for 67 years. Okay, so how long are they supposed to be in captivity? This is like a little lesson for y'all. Try to wake y'all up. How long are they going to be in captivity? 70 years. Okay, it's been 67 What's 67 uh, minus 70, or 70 minus 67? Yeah, 70 minus 60, what is that? It's three. So how long until they go home? Three years. Okay, Daniel's thinking, hey, this is pretty awesome. This is cool. We've been in captivity, captivity for 67 years. The Bible says we're going home after 70, and so he's thinking we better start getting ready to go home because it's coming soon. Now, this reminds me of the first time they were in captivity. You read the Old Testament, the Jewish people, they're always in captivity. You know, they're always in trouble. Uh, They were in Egyptian captivity for a number of years, and God, through Moses, told the people, hey, I'm getting ready to give you freedom. You better get ready. We see this in Exodus chapter 12. It's what God told the people. He said, here's how you must eat it. He's talking about the Passover. He said, you must be dressed for travel, sandals on your feet, staff in your hand. You're to eat it in a hurry, the Lord's Passover. And I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. I will strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. I am Yahweh. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. And the blood on the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so what God's telling the people, saying, I'm coming, I'm getting ready to bring you home, get ready. Okay, once again, here we are. God's telling the people, 
through Jeremiah years before, I'm getting ready to bring you home to your homeland. So what do you need to do? You need to get ready. Okay, that sounds good, right? But when you look at where the people are psychologically, this has got to be tough for them. Now think about it. Seventy years before, they, they were in Jerusalem worshiping at their temple. You know, the temple is where God's presence was to dwell. And as you read through the Old Testament, they believed nobody can mess with us because we have the presence of God in the temple. And so they were just like kicking back, just enjoying life. They were doing things they weren't supposed to be doing, but they said, we will never be beaten because God's with us. And then what happens? Well, the Babylonians come in, and literally they drag the temple off of its foundation, and they chunk it over the side of a hill. I mean, it's gone. So they spiritually, they're crushed. Not only that, they're, they're, they're taken into captivity. They're constantly in turmoil. As a matter of fact, what you discover is once again, they are under a new king. So there's not any stability in their lives. And then Daniel comes along and Daniel says, guys, we're getting ready to go home. Now, they're, they're not ready for that. Getting ready to go home? You've got to be kidding me. We're, we're struggling here. You know, God's presence was absolutely wiped out. But here's what's interesting Daniel's prayer was prayed with confidence about them going home because his prayer was rooted in Scripture. And guys, that is such a great lesson for us. You see, whenever we root our prayers in what the Bible says, we can have confidence that we are praying the very will of God and it will happen. They say, well, well, how do you know that? Well, if you look throughout the Bible, we're told in Isaiah 40 about the eternity of God's word. It, it says the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. It means you can root yourself in what God says because he's true. The book of Hebrews says it's impossible for God to lie. Second Timothy tells us that the Bible is the very word of God. And so Daniel saw in Scripture that God said, after 70 years you're going home. What did Daniel do? He believed God. Now what a, what a, what a, a an original thought. He just, I'm going to believe God. And so he rooted his prayers in what God had said. Now guys, where we get in trouble is when we begin to root our prayers in things that God has never said. Or whenever we become so jaded about life, which is easy to do, that we say, you know, it's obvious God doesn't listen to anything I say, so I'm not even going to pray anymore. And so what happens? We end up we end up enslaved, and we end up missing out on the blessings of God because we don't trust him. Let me try to give you an example. I think one of, a really neat animal is the, uh, the, the impala. You know, not the car, but the animal. Okay, the animal's really neat. The impala is tremendously athletic. When it's standing still, it can jump straight up in the air 10 feet. That's impressive. Uh, In a single bound, it can leap 30 30 feet. But a zoo can hold or can can cage up an impala only using a 3-foot tall fence. Now, isn't that weird? It can jump 10 feet in the air, it can leap 30 feet, but you can keep it in, 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 uh, encapsulated with a three-foot-tall fence. Now, why is that? Because an impala will never jump somewhere where it cannot see its feet land. And so they figured out if you have 
uh, if you have a fence at three feet high, its sight line is not able to see where its feet would land. I thought about that, and I thought, you know, spiritually, there's a lot of us who are like the Impala. We have the ability to do incredible things. We have, we have the power of God at our disposal. And yet so many of us are enslaved and captured by this life because we're not willing to jump where God tells us to jump. We're not willing to have faith where God tells us to have faith because we get worried and say, well, I haven't seen it happen yet. And so we just don't do anything. Now look at Daniel. I see Daniel was a man who prepared for the future. He communicated effectively with God because he was willing to pray biblically. But here's another way we can effectively communicate with God, and that is to pray with intensity. Now you, want to pray, you want to pray biblically, but you want to pray and have an intensity in your prayers. Now I want you to look with me in verse number uh, 3. Daniel said, So I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. When he prayed, it says he turned his attention to God. You know, this past, I guess the past month, I don't know how many of y'all watched the World Cup. Any of y'all watched the World Cup? Do y'all even know what the World Cup is? Okay, I watched, I watched, I, for the first, I watched the World Cup. I watched the, the, uh, the American team play in the World Cup. And I, you know, I'm not a big soccer guy or fan, but I will say the fans are, they're crazy, aren't they? I mean, those people, they get really excited about, about soccer. If anybody tells me, Baseball is boring. Watch soccer. All right, anyway. So I, mean, I sat there and I watched, I, watched the, you know, I watched the World Cup and I watched all fans get excited. Now, the, the closest thing that I think that we have uh, that, you know, for us that we identify with like that is was college football. All right? I mean, are any of y'all, how many days till Carolina plays? Anybody know? It's 40 days, just in case you're wondering. I don't know about Clemson, but you might be, I'm sure so those of you who are Clemson fans, you know how many days it is until they play. So we get real excited about that. There are some of you who live and die by every play that takes place on Saturday. I mean, it's crazy. And it's funny, I'll come to church, I know who won immediately because people will be wearing their, you know, their favorites. They'll be wearing orange, they'll be wearing their, their garnet shirts. So we get all pumped up and jazzed up about the game. Now, I love college football. I think it's fun, all that stuff. But, you know, there's, there's something that, that does concern me. I, every preacher says this, I'm sure, so I'm going to be another one. I get a little concerned when I see how excited we get, the intensity we have for college athletics. When I look around at our world, and guys, let me tell you something, our world is on fire right now. And there are people who are, their eternities are hanging in the balance, and our concerns and our focus is on sports. Now, is that me sometimes? Yes. Should it be? No. Guys, there, there needs to be an intensity. If we're going to see things change in our world, there has to be an intensity on our part when we begin to say, you know what, our world needs God. And that's where Daniel was in his praying. He begins to understand, we're getting ready to go home, and our people had better be prepared for it, but they weren't. As a matter of fact, outside biblical sources show us that in Babylon, the Jewish people were doing okay. They'd gotten used, they'd adapted to their new lifestyle. They'd been there for almost 70 years. They'd built homes. Some of them had started businesses. And they didn't want to move. We're leaving in three years. Not everybody gets excited about moving. Do you like to move? I hate it. 
you know, pack up boxes. I'm the worst mover, y'all. I mean, I'm starting to look at stuff, and I'm thinking, you know what? We really don't need that bed because it's, you know, I do everything by weight. That's kind of heavy. Uh, I hate moving. And I like these people, I get it. They're not ready to go. I mean, where are they going to be going? They're going to be going back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is in ruin at this time. So why should they be excited about going back? Because God said, this is a place I have for you. And God said, it is through you and this nation that I will bless the world. That's Jewish people. Do you know God blesses us through his people? That's why I am very concerned about what takes place in Israel. God gave a promise to Abraham in the book of Genesis that he would bless the world through his people. Genesis 12, 3 says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, what had happened? Man, the people, they'd lost sight of God's purpose for their lives. They'd lost sight of their focus. Now, what does Daniel do about this? He begins to pray for God's purpose to be fulfilled according to what his word said. And he wanted to keep his focus. So the Bible says, the verse I just read, it says he covered himself, he put on sackcloth, covered himself in ashes, he began to fast. Why did he do those things? So that he would not be disturbed or distracted by outside things. So that his attention would be on what God had to say. Guys, let me tell you something. God will achieve his purposes and his plan regardless. Now, I personally like that. It is not hinging upon you and me if God's going to be victorious in this world. I mean, we lose if that's the case. Now, God's going to fulfill his purpose regardless. So here's the deal. This is what Daniel's trying to get across. Do you want to be on his side when he wins? Or do you want to be on the sideline saying, man, I wish I was on that team? Now, I don't know about you. I, I, I don't want to miss out. I want to be a part of what God is going to do. In the early, uh, example of this, in the early 1950s, um, there's a man named Art Linkletter. For those of you, some of y'all know, know who he is. Anyway, he's a famous TV guy. And he had a buddy of his there in Los Angeles. He said, let's go out in the country. I want to show you what I'm planning on doing. They go out in the country, shows him around, says, I want to build this really cool theme park out here. And uh, he said, you know, and I, I'm only going to be able to handle this. because people are going to vacation here. He goes, I, and I'm going to build roller coasters, all this stuff. He said, but I can't handle anything more than this. He said, now there's a land around it that I can, I, I can purchase, and I want, you to, I, I want you to be able to be first in on this so that you can develop it. You put in hotels and restaurants and stores. He said, you'll make a ton of money. Now, Linkletter said, I, he said, I was sitting there looking at the guy. By the way, the guy's name was Walt Disney. And so he's looking at him going, this guy's lost his mind. So he's going to travel 20 to 30 miles outside of the city to ride a roller coaster. And so he just said, he said, well, let me think about it. And he said, uh, Disney looked at him and said, look, you need to make up your mind now. He goes, I mean, if we're moving along here. He said, he finally just said, I, I'm, I'm not going to do it. He said, I still, I said, I remember that conversation very vividly. He said, I remember walking back to my car to this day. He said, because I figure that every step I took walking back to my car was a million dollars a step that I did not get. Now, that's a guy... There's purposes that are going to be fulfilled regardless. He had the chance to be on the team or not to be on the team. Same thing is true in our walk with God. God's going to accomplish his purposes regardless. Now, how do we pray or how do we communicate with God effectively? Well, pray biblically. Pray intensely. Here's a third one. It's if you, whenever you're praying, communicate with God. If you're going to do it effectively, own up to your actions. 
You know, own up to who you are. I'm not going to read all the verses here. You'll get the gist. I'll start off in verse 4. Daniel said, I prayed to the Lord my God, and here's the key word. He said, and I confessed. He said, "Oh Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his, his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commandments and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our leaders. What's Daniel doing here? He's not making excuses. Why are the people in Babylonian captivity? They're in, they're in captivity not because of bad luck. They're not in captivity because God just said, you know what, I, I like these people, but I'm kind of tired. They're in captivity because they were disobedient to God. They quit following after God. And God said, I'll turn you over to your own ways, and we'll see where it leads. It leads to captivity. This is what I like about Daniel. Daniel says, yep, that's exactly what we did. He didn't make excuses. Now, I don't know about you all. Now, I know that I am, uh, I'm good. I, am, I've told, I'm, I'm, I can point out mistakes people make just like that. Um, now, when it comes to me, I'm not, I think it's harder to see for me, not for y'all, uh, but for me. I get so tired. Don't you get tired when people make excuses? Don't you like it whenever, isn't it nice and refreshing when somebody screws up and they say, yep, I just did that. I was an idiot. I was wrong. And it's my fault. Isn't that nice to hear? I get so tired when somebody says, this is what happened. And I did this because of the way he did me. And so it's really his fault. I, I was reading in the paper last month, and they, this has got to be one of the greatest excuses I've ever seen. It was a 19-year-old kid in Florida. You might have seen this. This was on the news. You might have seen this one. He got pulled over for speeding on his motorcycle. He was going 157 miles an hour. That's pretty fast. Okay, he gets pulled over. Listen to what he says. They, they're telling, hey, what in the world is going on? So they talk to this kid, and he says, basically, it's, it, his basic excuse is, it's not my fault. He says, he goes, honestly, I was just heading back home. Sim talking to the policeman. Oh, well, that makes it okay. I'm just going back home. He said, I was speeding, but I didn't see y'all come up next to me. At no point was I planning on running from the police. He said, but the thing is, when you ride the motorcycle, you can't let the motorcycle get control of you. And at that moment, the motorcycle took control of me, and I just kept going faster and faster. Okay, so here's the deal. I was like, hey, it's creative. Now, it's, it's not his fault. It's the motorcycle's fault. You know, after a while, I mean, I kind of laughed when I read I was like, only a 19-year-old would do that. And, and, you know, I would try. It's not going to work for me. But, you know, everyone, it wouldn't be nice if you just said, yeah, I saw you guys, and I thought, I wonder how fast this thing will go. I was wrong. He didn't do it. That's what I like about Daniel's prayer. Daniel just comes to God and says, Lord, we screwed up. We were wrong. We were sinful. And then here's the deal. He comes to the very end, and he says, and I want to repent. You know what repent means? It means to be sorry. And not just to be sorry, but to be so sorry that you're not going to do it again. When Daniel prayed, he prayed effectively because he prayed biblically. He prayed with intensity. He owned up to his actions. And this is the last one. This will be a short one. He expected an answer. When he prayed, he expected God to answer him. Now I want to read to you, uh, starting in verse number, let's see, verse 20. 
Daniel said, while I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my petition before Yahweh, my God, concerning the holy mountain of my God, it's Jerusalem, he said, while I was praying, Gabriel, it's an angel, the man I had seen in the first vision, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering, and he gave me this explanation. He said, Daniel, I've come now to give you understanding. At the beginning of your petitions, an answer went out, and I've come to give it. For you are treasured by God, so consider the message and understand the vision. Next week, we're going to talk about what that vision was, what the answer was. But here's the point I want you to see. Daniel prayed, God answers. Now some of you say, it ain't ever happened to me. I'm not saying God answers all prayers the same. I'm not saying that you're going to have an angel show up and say, I, I'm here, and I'm going to tell you what you, I'm going to give you the answer. But I want you to know this, God always answers the prayers of his people. It's just that he doesn't always give us the answers we want right? And there's sometimes when he's going to say yes, sometimes when he's going to say no. There'll be other times when God will tell us to wait. Now, there's a lot of different ways that I can go with this. We're just going to focus on one thing. Okay, the people are in trouble here because they've been ungodly. And this is the only thing I want you to focus on. They've been ungodly. They've been horrible. They've served other gods. They've committed spiritual adultery. Daniel confesses, and what happens? God speaks. Here's the point. I don't care. I don't know. I, it, it's not that I don't care. I don't mean it like that. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how far off the ledge you've gone. When there is repentance and a confession of sin, God forgives. God speaks. God will always answer the prayers of his people. And so for some of us, it is time for us to trust that what God says is true. You know, to pray biblically, that means to pray claiming what God has said and hanging on to it as true. Now there are some of you, I really believe this, I believe there are some of you here today, and it is time for you, for the first time in your life, to trust God. To trust that when he tells us in 1 John 1, 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some of you might say, you know what, I, I just don't feel like I can effectively communicate with God. I feel like my prayers don't get any higher than the ceiling. Let me tell you why. One of the reasons why very well could be because you've never confessed. Because you've never turned away from your sin. Maybe some of you need to do that today. And I don't know all of y'all. Maybe you're not at that point yet in your life. That's fine. Maybe others of you, though, you've been on a journey for a while, and it's time for you to say, you know what, I've been on a journey for a while. It's time to do something now. And so my encouragement for you is just, just where you're seated when, whenever the band comes up in a minute and begins to play, you just simply take time and talk to God and pray to him and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I confess I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I want to trust you to rescue me. That's it. So I'll encourage you to do that. Now there might be others of you here and, and you've quit. You've given up. you quit praying. You're tired. You're worn out. Let me make a challenge to you or have a challenge for you to do what Daniel did. Let me challenge you to pray biblically. To pray intensely. To own up to your actions and then expect an answer. We, need, we just trust God. Trust what he says.
We're told in James 5.16, the urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. You want to see the power of God? You want to see change happen in our world? You want to see change happen in your life? Pray. Talk to God. Claim the promises that he gives. And trust him. Thank you.